Welcome everyone to episode 21 of Adventures on the Road. We talk Catherine Gorge, Arnhem Land and travelling across the top of the Northern Territory with Glenn Watts from Barefoot Fishing Safaris. And we have a bit more fun with Ranger Nick talking recipes and bush poetry. We are proudly partnered by On The Road magazine, March-April edition, on sale now. So let's get back on the road. Now I'm back with Glenn from Barefoot Fishing Safaris in the Northern Territory. G'day, Shane. Now, what about Catherine? What could, what, what's the story with Catherine? So Catherine is, uh, is, um, is the next sort of large town south of Darwin, I suppose. It, um, it takes about three hours to drive from Darwin to Catherine or vice versa. And um, Catherine is it, like it's a major hub in, in, in the top end where um, it's, the, it's the area where a lot of the mining operations stations, the, um, the small aircraft, everyone comes in there and uses Catherine as a base to then, um, then carry out their work and, and whatever else they're doing in the, in the regions, you know, up to three or 400 kilometres surrounding it. So it's, it's um, obviously on the Catherine River, which flows from further south where, where the Flora River starts through the Catherine River. Catherine River flows into the Daly and then out along the west coast there. So um, it, it's a very beautiful spot. They've got the Catherine Gorge, of course, there where um, there's some really popular um, tours. Also, a dinner cruise, which I hear is amazing. You can do a three-course dinner cruise on a on a sunset tour in Catherine. Um, it's the centre of a lot of Aboriginal culture as well, of course, and and really the gateway to sort of a, that last major stepping stone before you go sort of truly bush if you're heading to the south and, and east and west. It's, it's the junction where you turn to go across the Kununurra into Western Australia, and then you can also head across the Savannah Way to the Gulf from Catherine as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a major sort of meeting place and and, um, and definitely worth a look. So what's, what's the road like, say, from, from Catherine uh, heading across towards on the Savannah Way towards Queensland? What, what's the road like? Yeah, generally these days very doable. Um, it's a it's a very popular trip. Um, people go up the old telegraph trap up to up to the Cape there, and they'll um they obviously base in Catherine for their their last major stop. And the, and the road, yeah, like there's a lot of mines and and stuff happening out there, and of course tourism and stations and things these days. So it's you know any of our modern cars can can handle that no problem at all. And in fact, it's a bit of a walk in the park these days. I think. Back in the day of the HQ Kingswood wagon, you'd think twice that um, 200 series Land Cruiser or a nice new patrol, there's no problem at all. So, is it black stuff or is it or is it a dirt road? No, like I, most people, you can certainly head head to head to the east through the Bonalula on on the bitumen. Um, the road from three ways isn't a really wide road, and and there is a lot of trucks and stuff on it, so it, it does pay to. Sort of take it steady and um, and be very careful. But most people, I guess, once they get to say Boralula or there's a pub out there called Heartbreak Hotel, <laughs> another bit of an iconic one. Heartbreak where, Hotel, um, mm, that conjures up a few yeah, things, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've had a couple of fairly wild nights in there too, and it's, you're fairly remote. There's not too many rules out there, so you can get a bit rowdy, which is good fun. All part of it up here, but yeah, most people, I guess, their their plan is to go fairly bush from if they're going to head west, uh, head east 
um, through to Barilula and up to the Cape. So they're all really well prepared. But once you get from Barilula, um, there, there's plenty of dirt and river crossings and stuff to get up to Weeper and then further north, yeah. Okay, so what? there's a creek and a river that I'm interested in. The, the Timber Creek, and is it Victoria River? Yeah, that's right. So that's heading to the west. Um, you've got to cross the Vic River and Timber Creek's a, a tri- tributary of that area. Um, that's when you start getting into that real sort of Kimberley country, I suppose. You're getting rock escarpments and, and, and that sort of beautiful red, red rock faces and, and that sort of landscape that you, that you expect in the Kimberley. That's where you leave that sort of more savannah country, which is, is Catherine, and, and you're really heading to that gorgy stuff. So Timber Creek's a great little place. Again, not much of a town. There's, um, there's a few tourism operators working out of there, some great tours, and as well as, uh, you know, as there is in all of these towns, a great, great local pub. Couple of caravan parks. Where would we be without the great local pub? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, the, 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 the pub and the roadhouse sort of all, all blend into one up here, and, and it's a great place to go and get some advice um, about where you should go, where you shouldn't go, and what you might need to stock up on before you go. Um, and yeah, so that's that's Timber Creek, and then as you head across, Vic River is, is another famous one. It's it's um, pretty well kept secret, I suppose, as far as the fishing goes. That's probably where most of the locals from Catherine, and then of course all the stations, Victoria River Downs, and these sort of ones out that way, um, that they head out there to go fishing um, rather than come north to go to Darwin, where where you know all of us locals are all. Um, here as well so they the fishing in the Vic is is excellent at the right time and right place and all that sort of stuff you can get some great advice of course at the tackle shops there's there's a couple of big tackle shops in Catherine and if you're heading west and you're planning on doing a bit of fishing before you get to Broome uh, which is where your next big tackle shop is that's where you want to stock up and get and stock up on knowledge as well okay so you bar are fairly easy to get in this area as well are they yeah, they cert- well, certainly um, they're, they're plentiful. Um, I would never ever describe Barra as easy to get. Certain <laughs> <laughs> um, times of year, of course, they, they definitely are easy to catch. I mean, our, our runoff time, that um, sort of March, April, May, is, is the absolute peak for Barra fishing, and and the, the fishing is you know can be easy, can be very easy, in fact. But um, you know. They are a notoriously fickle fish and can be fussy and they can change their mood in a minute and they can change their mood very often and it takes a takes a long time before you even consider thinking that you've got them figured out. And I certainly don't think I have. I've got a few things that, that tend to work. Um, so I can work my way through those different strategies, but I would never describe Barra as an easy fish to catch, unfortunately. <laughs> However, they do taste good. They do taste excellent. That's right, and and particularly our um, the barra out of out of our tidal water, um, they're great. There's a there's a barra farm in Humpty Doo these days that's turning out thousands and thousands of barramundi a year for a lot of the um, the export market overseas and south, and um, their their product is absolutely second to none. And and I would never balk at um, at eating a sort of a farmed barra from Humpty Doo Barra Farm. If you ever see it on a menu down south, they're great quality. Now, we shouldn't leave the Northern Territory without talking about Arnhem Land. Now, there's this sort of 
there's an east and there's a west Arnhem Land, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. And Arnhem Land is um, is a very special place. It's still quite untouched, um, and you need permits to go across there. Once you once you cross over the Arnhem Land, uh, the East Alligator River at Cahill's Crossing, there just out of Jabiru, you're in Arnhem Land, and you and you are required to get a permit. There's two different ways you can go. You can go sort of straight east through Kakadu National Park, or you can go south of you know, head south on the Stewart Highway down south of Catherine, and, and then up up the back way, which is um, the, I guess the way we have to go uh, throughout the wet season. And and when we have a lot of these uh, cultural events out there, you get a lot of people heading straight up the guts from Alice Springs and, and taking that right turn and heading up to Arnhem Land that way. But very special, untouched and very remote um, area. Um, still a lot of traditional culture out there. It's a huge, huge um, area, uh, you know, close to 100,000 square kilometres. And it's, um, it's just, yeah, that's sort of the ultimate remote wilderness. We do a certain amount of fishing charters um, just on, right in the west coast of Arnhem Land. If you remember your history, the, the first European settlement up here was a place called Port Essington, and um, you can do some great tours around there and, and fishing from Darwin. We can drive to West Arnhem Land in the boat or in our liveaboard mothership overnight, and um, and we do our week-long fly fishing charters up there. Um, you know, very shallow, clear water. There is no other boat traffic, and the fish have never seen lures um, before, essentially, so they become quite easy to catch, and, of course, they're, where there's less pressure, there's there's more fish, and, and it's, it becomes easier for sure. Kakadu's, uh, I mean, Arnhem Land is is one of those very special places. There's some great programs in place now to to keep it the way it is for as long as we possibly can, and and um, that, that's really great to see. Is it op- uh, like a tag along group or someone they can go with so that they get to see all the beauty of Arnhem Land, knowing that they're not going to have any adverse impact on the area? Yeah, there's certainly plenty of tour operators and I'm sure there'd be tag-along tour operators as well. Um, it's an area, it is a place that I, I think it's very wise to brush up on and have, a, have quite a good plan about what you're doing. You've got to consider, your obviously, your fuel for your vehicles, fresh water, and, um, and where you can potentially get repairs and maintenance done on on things like boat trailers or camper trailers there's plenty of townships around Arnhem Land but um you know that it is remote enough the tracks can be rough and it's just one of those places where you you know take an extra 20 litres of water with you everywhere you go so you never know what's going to happen You, you really are in the bush out there and and you might have people driving past every 10 minutes when you're broken down or maybe not for 10 days so um, it definitely pays to do do your research. There's plenty of information out there these days on on forums and and you know listening to podcasts like this where you can um, you can sort of pick up where you should be doing your research and and get some tips from people who've done it before. And and of course you have a much better experience if you're not trying to make it all up for yourself. You you can have a ten day itinerary where you know what you're going to do every day, which is you know pr- proven to be a, a, a fun trip and 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 um, safe trip uh you know through the experience of people going there before you i think that's a great way to go all right well you've certainly wet 
both my appetite and I'm sure you've whet the appetite of many of our listeners to uh, make sure that they put the Northern Territory and Darwin on their uh, radar. If someone wanted to get in touch with you because they love their fishing, how do they get in touch with you, Glenn? Yeah, there's, there's a few ways you can get in touch with me. I guess um, the website and Facebook page are probably the most active. Definitely Facebook gets posted on um, almost daily. I've got some um, some pretty exciting stuff happening um, with the business these days where I've actually got a club where you can you can win fishing charters and prize packs and all sorts of things. So that might interest people. You can sign up for you know um, less than a price of uh, a slab of beer a month and, and um, potentially win win three-day all expenses, paid fishing charters and things like this. So that's all um, admin through the Facebook page, the website, barefootfishingsafaris.com.au, and, of course, um, TripAdvisor is, is a place where people um, that have been fishing with us go and um, tell all sorts of stories about us. So if you want to find out the truth, you can go there. I think most of mine are positive, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty easy if you just search up Barefoot fishing safaris in uh, in your search engine, you you uh, you can't miss us. Sensational. All right. Well, um, mate, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great chatting with you, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, likewise, Shane. Okay. Well, he's back, back with us at Adventures on the Road. It's Ranger Nick. G'day, Ranger Nick. How you going, mate? Back like a bad disease. I'm hard to get rid of, aren't I? <laughs> You're always welcome on on the Adventures on the Road podcast. Oh, nice to know. Thanks for having me along. All right, mate. Now, I've had a look at your website again, which is? Wiggle, 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 au. Okay, now you've got, you've got lots of things on there that people can subscribe to or actually buy, but there's one cookbook that's piqued my interest. It's called Soul Food for the Non-Carnivorous Biped. Yes, yes. Well, to translate that, it's actually a, um, a book of alternate-type things for those who don't eat meat. Um, the reason it come about was because... Several years ago, I was involved in a work accident and I uh, fractured two vertebrae. I've had a lot of trouble getting back on my feet over the years, but I always put it to the universe that I would wanted to come up with something different because I was finding I was finding that I'd go to different doctors and uh, they'd do the same tests and prescribe basically the same medications and and um, I really wasn't getting ahead with it all. I still every now and then would get dropped in an excruciating pain and, and uh, it would see me off work for two weeks or more. So eventually I um, I was introduced to a lady at the Gold Coast, a little Japanese lady who was a holistic doctor. And I uh, had a bit of a chat to her and she did some, some of the strangest tests I've ever had done, like... Um, hold your hand up, push here, stand on one leg, you know, just just very odd little things that she got me to do. And she could tell me so much about my body and, and what was going on just through these strange, strange tests without even a blood test. It was quite remarkable. And I thought, well, I put it out there to have something that was different, so I'm certainly willing to give it a try. Now, what she told me was that the medication that I'd been taking over the years had stripped my stomach lining, so my stomach was leaking undigested food into my bloodstream. 
therefore growing mould all through my body. It was on my brain, in my liver and kidney, um, and it's known as candida. So any injuries that I'd had um, were certainly affected by this mould. And the um, basically to clear it up, I needed to change my diet. And it wasn't a huge change. Uh, it was basically cutting out yeast and sugar from my diet. And I've and I got to say, not being able to drink beer was not not a challenge that, that was difficult to do. But walking past new season cherries, I found very hard. I did struggle with that. And I thought to myself, well, if I've got to change my diet and play around with different recipes and things, I'm going to write another book. So I wrote the book, uh, Soul Food for the Non-Carnivorous Biped, for those people out there that struggle with things like um, gluten and and uh, meat and things like that. Now, a lot of people say to me, oh, yeah, no, Vegjo, they're... You know, I'm not, I'm not, they're weird people. You know, if you don't eat meat and all the rest, I said, well, hang on. Now, you may, you may like to eat meat, but I'm sure that you eat vegetables with your meals. And they go, well, yes. I said, well, guarantee you that the recipes in this book are certainly going to complement your steak or your roast that you like to eat. So there's some great recipes in there for everybody. And, um, it certainly caters for everybody. So some of the things in there, I had a group of mates out helping me with some uh, concreting and I served up to them one of the recipes in there being a uh, lentil soup. Now, above the chicken casseroles and everything else that was served up, that lentil soup got cleaned up first and they all said, that was absolutely beautiful. And I said, yeah, you know what it was? They said, yeah, that was beef soup. That was a beef broth. I said, no, that wasn't at all beef. That was lentils. So... For lack of a better description, it tastes a lot like a beef broth, and it's look one of the best soups that I've ever eaten. So it goes over a real treat with, with those that are carnivorous or those that are not. So that's how the book come about. I've also written a few poems to go in it, and once again, of course, not being very studious, you'll find it's not written in English, but quite a colloquial Australian language. So if you aren't, if you don't understand the slang and um, don't know what things like dunny budgies or fly bog is, then uh, there's a glossary in the back of the book you can refer to. All righty. So can, how good's your memory? Can you rattle off the recipe for this, this lentil soup? Okay, so basically you know, what you want is, a, is a, a couple of cups of lentils into a pot of water, and you just add a whole heap of veggies to it, like onion, uh, carrot, what else is in there? Off the top of my head, I am struggling with this one. Um, uh, zucchini, all your favourite veggies, just put them in there. So it's basically a vegetable and lentil soup. Some so potatoes? Any, any, yeah, some spuds and, and sweet potatoes throw in there. Any, any vegetables that you have on hand, whack them into that uh, soup with, with your couple of cups of lentils and just boil it down until those... Um, until it's consistency you like and the lentils are nice and tender. And look, absolutely beautiful soup. It's, it's one of my favourite and I seem to eat a lot, a lot of it through winter. And I'll tell you what, mate, one thing is for certain, it will keep you regular. You'll be able to play the theme song to Jaws. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Take a deep breath. Spot away, spot away. 
you've mentioned that in our previous chats, okay, you've written these couple of books, uh, that you've thrown in a bit of poetry as well. So yep. if I said to you, give me a poem. Straight away, one of my favourites, a bit of an appetizer actually. Um, we were out at we were out at Emerald uh, doing a show out there, and and then out there they hadn't had sufficient rain for about two and a half years. Nevertheless, you can I've called this poem a sudden summer storm. And I do I would like to add before I start, I've never before in my life been scared in a storm. We were so well set up at a showground and as happy as can be. The storm had started brewing, but that didn't bother me. Retired that night quite early after a few quite pleasant ales, the pitter-patter of the raindrops put me off to sleep, no fail. Well, around 3am it started, and much to my surprise, the storm had started brewing. Deep in my insides. Well, my eyes, they battered open, and I threw the covers back and made a beeline briskly like a dingo down a track. Dim light glowed from the powder room. I had a reference point. I run like hell only to find I'd locked the flippin' joint. Well, for a while I stood, bewildered, with a penny still in hand, but the currency next to useless, as you all well know, in this proud and sunburnt land. Well, the fear set in. I trembled. The storm was rumbling hard. Looking up, I noticed another dummy right across the yard. Well, shuffling across the paddock with me butt cheeks squeezed together tight, one hand cupped on me bum, will I make it through the night? Well, things started getting soggy and black soil built up on me thongs. Every step got heavier. And now I smelt a pong. Well, the storm just got more violent and thunder I could hear. And now it felt like a crocodile was hanging out me rear. Well, by this time, all bow-legged and strutting through the cattle pens, hoping that's all bulls pop trailing from me back to the men. Now, that's all I'm going to tell you about my bad arrears. Just that I was so grateful that the storm had bloody cleared. <laughs> oh, Ranger Nick, you are such a card. Mate, it, it, it's, it's funny. It's happened to the best of us, hasn't it? And um, it, it's amazing what sort of things that you can create through inspiration. And perspiration. Well, yes, I was certainly inspired to write that one. And, yeah, it did have me sweating a bit, I guess. Well, mate, it was good to catch up with you as always. Um, hope to catch up with you again soon on Adventures on the Road. Mate, can't wait. We'll see you when the mud's dry. Ciao for now. Baroo. Well, that's it. Another show done and dusted. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you are new, welcome, and please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Remember, you can get links to information from this episode in our show notes and on our episode page at adventuresontheroad.com.au. Till next episode, everyone, I'm Shane. Have a safe journey.